welcome to the 12 days of Christmas day number 10. Mary, how you do? Oh, nice. That's that new. Work? I don't know if it works, no, but it's it new. Okay. It was exciting. It's well, fresh. Try something new every now and then. I've got three listener stories for you today. Oh, man. How many little go-go's are we going to encounter? Uh, probably about 14. Yep. Story number one comes from Hawk. My first semester of college was unfortunately not a success. I started to feel really homesick about two weeks in, and it stayed that way the entire semester. It had reached November and I couldn't wait to come home and see my family and friends, and basically just evaluate my future. About a week before my flight home, I started to have these strange dreams. I've always had nightmares, but for some reason I was always aware that I was dreaming so they didn't really bother me. However, these ones were really affecting me and they were repetitive. The dream was that I would be laying in bed at my parents' house and I would start having this sensation as if there was a rope tied to my ankle and I was slowly being pulled towards my closet. In my dream, I would get up and walk over to the closet. I would set my hand on the ice-cold door handle and slowly open the door. As the door opened, black fog would pour out of the closet and I could see the silhouette of two people. I would then wake up in my college dorm room covered in sweat. I had this dream four separate nights before my flight home. When I landed at the airport, my best friend Jake and my older brother Jackie picked me up. I was so excited to be home that we all fell asleep on the living room couches. The next night, I got home late from being with my friends. I was so tired that I fell asleep the second my head hit the pillow. I woke up to my room being freezing cold. I checked my phone and it was 3am on the dot. I did not think much of it other than it was weird how cold my room was even though my electric heater was at the maximum. The next night the same thing happened. I woke up at 3am and it was freezing. Again I didn't think much of it and went back to sleep. I woke up an hour later and my electric heater was off and it was so cold it was as if I was sleeping on a bed of snow. I tried to go back to sleep but I started feeling this pulling sensation coming from the closet. I got a little freaked out and decided to sleep in the living room. The next morning, my mum asked me why I was on the couches. I told her what happened and about my dreams. She basically told me not to worry about it, but she also broke the news that her Native American friend was sleeping in my room due to the brutal divorce she was going through. My mum told me once that her business partner was really spiritual. The week went by and I continued to sleep on the couch basically out of fear. My high school girlfriend named Kate had a grandmother, who we all called Gram, who was increasingly close to my mum. My mum was a masseuse, and Gram had retired from her profession of being a professional house cleaner. Gram's job may not sound glamorous, but she actually had a passion for detailing houses, and she basically owned an incredibly lucrative house cleaning company. Gram would clean the house once a week, and in return my mum would give her two massages. Gram was incredibly religious, and she was a die-hard born-again Christian and also very spiritual. On this particular Saturday morning, I was watching the Tottenham game with my dad and my brother. Graham walked down to the living room and requested that I follow her upstairs. We walked into the hallway to the bedrooms and she told me that she was sensing negative energy in my bedroom. I was a little bit freaked out, but I told her everything that had happened. She told me that if I gave her permission, she could pray the spirits away. My family and I are incredibly not religious. We sort of believe it's fairy tales. So I apprehensively said, yeah, sure. We walked into my room 
and we stood side by side in front of my closet. She started saying things like, Spirit, you are not welcome here. I am a person of God and I am telling you to leave. She said this a few times and my room instantly got really cold. And I started to get anxious. She kept saying it and I started to feel the pulling sensation. The door to my closet started to shake. Graham raised her voice and the door started shaking more aggressively. My room had that feeling you get when the tea kettle starts hissing and the water is boiling to maximum. All of a sudden, Graham stopped talking, the door stopped moving, and the energy in the room levelled out. I was seriously spooked. Graham and I kept this between us. I returned to finish my semester in Atlanta. About a week later, my mum called me. She said she had talked to her friend about what happened and that her friend invited spirits into my bedroom to keep her company through her divorce. My mum basically told her that she's not comfortable having her sleep at the house, and that she had to find somewhere else to stay. They are still friends, but they did get a little distant considering the situation. When I was about 16, I went with my girlfriend's family on vacation. They lived for family camping trips in their beautiful camper. On this trip, there were seven of us going, including Graham. It was the second night of the trip. We did the typical camping trip things, had a bonfire, grilled some food, played some games, and eventually we all went to sleep. The beds were set up so my ex-girlfriend, one of her brothers and I, shared a king-size bed on the end of the camper. Graham had a single bed at the open end of our bed where our heads were. I was sleeping on the side closest to the door where there was a huge mesh window. While I was sleeping I had a nightmare. The nightmare was that I was paralysed in my sleeping spot of the camper, completely frozen. I was looking out the mesh window and this completely black wolf with red eyes was barking at me. It was drooling and barking so loud that it was hurting my ears. I was so scared that I could not move. And it was staring right at me. I tilted my head to Graham's bed and she was sitting up straight looking at the wolf. She started saying the power of Christ repels you. I looked back at the wolf and it started barking louder and edged closer to the camper. My dream felt so real and I started feeling teardrops falling from my eyes. I looked back at Graham and she started speaking in tongues. Suddenly I shot up fully awake. I was covered in sweat and I felt the teardrops trickling down my cheeks and my chin. The wolf was gone. But Graham was still sat up in her bed, speaking in tongues. And then she said the power of Christ repels you. At one point she stopped saying that and I watched her close her eyes and pray. When she stopped praying she went back to sleep. And I stayed up the whole night completely freaked out. The next day I asked her what had happened. Why she was saying these things. And why she was talking in tongues. And she said, Darling I'm sorry to tell you this. But I saw a demon barking at you last night and I had to ask God to push him away. This next story is a story of my ex-girlfriend's imaginary friend growing up. We'll call her Kate for this one, and sorry Dan, but you're probably going to hate it. No. Kate was incredibly lonely as a child growing up. Her family were struggling with addiction issues, and basically had her when they were too young. One day, Kate was walking behind the garage when she met someone named Pumpkin, Kate told me she did not think much of his appearance at the time, but when she described him now, it makes my skin crawl. 
He was a tall, skinny man with a black tattered shirt and pants, skinny black shoes, long black hands. And for a head, he had a jack-o'-lantern that looked like it had been hit with a baseball bat. She told me that she played with him every day. He would watch her play with toys and keep her company. She told her parents about Pumpkin, but they thought it was just her imagination. At one point, her parents told me that things got a little bit weird. Kate would be watching TV and her dad would sit next to her and she would scream, You sat on Pumpkin! Another time, her parents told me that Kate came home very muddy. When they asked why, Kate said, I was playing in the woods with Pumpkin. Her parents still wrote it off as just her imagination, but they told her that she could not leave their yard. Kate told me that Pumpkin got really mad at her when she told her parents that he took her into the woods. Pumpkin told her that her parents hated her and that he wanted the two of them to float away together. He told her that if she swallowed a balloon, the balloon would blow up in her stomach and they would be able to float away. That weekend, Kate was at Graham's house. Graham was in the kitchen and heard Kate choking. Graham ran into the living room where Kate was, forced Kate's mouth open and pulled a balloon out. When she asked why, Kate, in tears, explained that her imaginary friend Pumpkin made her and that he would be really mad if they could not float away together. Graham asked if Pumpkin was at the house and Kate said that Pumpkin was scared to go to Graham's house. Kate told Graham everything. Graham told Kate that Pumpkin was evil and that Kate needed to tell Pumpkin that she was a person of God and that he was not welcome anymore. The next day, Kate got home, she went outside and saw Pumpkin. She said to Pumpkin, I'm a person of God and you're not welcome here anymore. And he disintegrated into thin air. When I was 17, I went over to Kate's house. She got a call, said a few words and started crying hysterically. At this time, Graham was working part-time at a Christian preschool. On the phone, Graham told her that one of the teachers heard a student choking. When she ran over, the teacher pulled a balloon out of the girl's mouth. Graham was told the reason the student tried to swallow the balloon was that her imaginary friend Pumpkin told her that he wanted them to float away together. That is a horrible story. <laughs> I can't deal with that hook. You were correct. 100%. Creepy kids with creepy imaginary friends that are trying to kill the kids is not good. That description is way too off for a child to come up with just off the top of their head. So Pumpkin is... I think you've got a Slender Man on your hands there if you want it. That's horrendous. <laughs> Like that whole story, I was like, that's really scary. And, you know, potentially her imagination, because kids do have a wild imagination, especially if they're struggling or really lonely or whatever. But can you deal with her getting that call from the preschool? Fuck that. I mean, this isn't me commenting on the legitimacy of this story, but if you're into screenwriting, (laughs) you could make a lot of money from this because this is a golden horror movie waiting to be made. Pumpkin is a terrifying character. And it's perfect for... And it's really sinister and dark. Perfect for that classic horror film where the parents are like, oh, don't be silly, mm. little girl. But the wise old lady knows better. Ooh. It's always a wise old lady that saves the day. Always. I like this grand character. She sounds cool. I think it was the last episode we said it in. I love an older mm. woman who is passive aggressive and takes no shit. That's what everyone needs in their life. I've Going back to Hawk's original story, 
yep. about the room and being dragged into the um, closet. Horrible. However, I do have the actual reason why you're being haunted. Because you're choosing to watch Spurs games. And that always has consequences. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And our second story today comes from Jill. My best friend and I have long been interested in ghosts and their existence. She is a firm believer and has had several experiences, and I'm more of a sceptic. I believe that those who have seen ghosts really did, but I am more of a I'll believe it when I see it kind of person. I used to live in Nashville, and my friend decided that since Louisville is relatively close to Nashville, it would be the perfect opportunity to visit the most haunted place in the US. We booked our spots on one of the overnight investigations and trekked up to Louisville. The investigation started at midnight, and they have some very strict rules before you are allowed to go in. You cannot be intoxicated, and you are also not allowed to bring in Ouija boards. Before we were allowed into the main building, we were given some background on the history of the property, and they've also left behind some relics of the past, and the scariest object was one of those old wicker wheelchairs. They divided us up into two groups, and we went with the tour guide of our choice. Ours was named Tim, and he'd been working there for years. He told us the history of each location that he led us to, and as we were going up one of the stairwells, a few of us could smell smoke, like someone was burning leaves or a woodpile, and when we asked him about it, he said that the phantom smells happen a lot. The smoke smelled very thick, like we were beside a fire, but it was so odd that not everyone smelled it. While we were exploring the floor, the kitchen was on, There was one spot in the hallway that felt like our legs had been dipped in ice. It was the coldest cold I have ever felt. There were open areas everywhere, but the night was not so cold because it was springtime. We were both wearing jeans, so we shouldn't have felt that cold. Several feet away, we went back to a normal temperature. We had been told by Tim to be careful, and if we ever heard a growl to get out of the room we were in. Jen and I went into one of the rooms, and after she'd been in it for a bit, she immediately turned around and left in a hurry. When I asked her what was wrong, she said, I heard a growl and I'm getting the fuck out. I didn't want to take my chances, so I followed her out. Each floor we were led to, we were allowed to explore as we pleased after a brief introduction. We couldn't wait to get to Timmy's area, named for a little boy who was a patient at the sanatorium in its tuberculosis hospital days. We were told that if we brought a ball or other type of kid's toy that we could possibly get Timmy to play. 
we came prepared and brought a rubber ball with us. Now having experienced the extreme cold and smoke from earlier, I'd still not had any kind of concrete proof of the paranormal. That all changed in Timmy's area. We put the ball on the floor and invited Timmy to play with us. We said, Timmy, if you would like to play, we brought a ball for you. You don't have to be scared of us, we just want to play. The ball slowly started wobbling in place, even though the floor was level and no breeze in the hallway. We decided to up the ante and shined my flashlight onto the ground and said, If you want to play with us, would you please move the ball into the light? And the ball slowly rolled into the light of the flashlight. We praised him and told him thank you and good job and so on. So I moved the light to the other side of the hall and repeated again, If you want to play, please move the ball into the light. The ball slowly rolled into the light and continued to follow the light wherever I moved it. Again, there was no way the ball could have been moved in all the directions it did. The air was still and the floor was level. That made me a firm believer in ghosts. Timmy stopped playing when a raucous group of assholes came bounding down the steps calling for him. We told him that if he wanted to stop playing we understood and to please move the ball one last time and we would leave him alone. The ball moved into the light one last time. We thanked him and moved on to the next area. There were several other things that happened over my subsequent visits to Waverly Hills. We watched a guide having a yes-no conversation in the main entryway using a flashlight that would turn on and off indicating yes or no. I got to ask it a question and I asked if they remembered me from visiting a few weeks earlier and it responded yes. And that freaked me out, to say the least. We saw several shadow people, with one being the creeper. A toy truck rolled out of a room on its own hearing unexplained noises in the body shoot. My friend Jen decided to get up in the drawer in the morgue and was grabbed. We were in the kitchen and I clearly heard someone speaking to me. And when I asked her what she said, she told me she had not said anything. Undoubtedly, Waverly Hills Sanatorium is like one of the most haunted spots, hands down. I've seen so much evidence from there. And what I'm really pleased for Jill and her BFF is that despite the fact that there was loads of other people on the tour, they still got activity. Sorry to make this about me, but when I went on the Shanghai Tunnels tour in Portland, that was what really annoyed me was there were so many other people on the tour. Like nothing felt like I didn't feel like I had any time or space to actually experience anything because it was just, there was just too much going on with actual people that I could see in my sight, even though it was dark and we weren't using torches like we were told not to. There were still loads of people, you know, there was a hen pie on the group and all that kind of thing. And it was just like, it really disappointed me because I felt like there was stuff going on down there, but just couldn't make head or tail of it. Whereas Jill and her friend had the opportunity to be able to interact with Timmy and experience that despite the fact that there was a bunch of idiots following him around. <laughs> Not trying to be a killjoy either. I find it really disrespectful when people go to places that were like a sanatorium mm where terrible things happened to human beings and they treat it as like this really fun thing and run around screaming yeah. and like ghosts aside. Yeah. Like just... this is a place where human beings were essentially in some cases tortured unnecessarily. Well, not that torture is ever necessary. I don't know why yeah. I said that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And then you've got hen parties or stag parties coming in, running around screaming, like being generally disrespectful. It just annoys me. 
but I we will be doing an episode on Waverly Hills at some point. Oh no. I just don't know when. But it's pretty incredible. I'm always fascinated by what actually is the most haunted place in America as well. Because obviously Jill said Louisville was here. But lots of people say it's Savannah in Georgia. And then other people say it's other places as well. So I don't. I feel like we might need to have a most haunted fight at some point. Some sort of showdown about yeah. the most haunted city in the Where US. Where all the haunted cities in the US get their ghosts to rise up. And then they just have a big battle in like Wisconsin or something. I feel like we need a Hunger Games style thing for all those ghosts yeah to see who is the most haunted definitely i mean i'm not encouraging the dead to rise up actually that's probably not really what i want in 2020 and our third story today comes from mary i wanted to share a couple of experiences with you i do believe that folks have real ghost experiences but tend to think that the majority are explainable by grief or psychological or physical issues. For example, I have an aunt that has a neurological disorder that makes her feel she has lost several hours. So no, she wasn't abducted by aliens. I think most ghost experiences are arbitrary. The right place, the right time, being in tune at the moment to a spirit. Ghost hunter shows drive me crazy for that reason, because I don't think ghost contact can be forced. That being said, I have had some strange experiences in my life. And I particularly like the first one below because it has a gothic feel. The other experiences I've added because they're funny and a little bizarre. And I thought Emma would like them because of the Irish connection. During my sophomore year of college in 1979 to 1980. At the University of California Santa Cruz. Which was just recovering from being known as the axe murder capital of the world. I was renting a small older bungalow type house with two friends. I tend to have a good sense if houses have a haunting. This house had a creepy feeling from the beginning, and not in the fun way. Lots of negative energy. The second day after we moved in, a young woman came to the door and said, Has anything happened yet? When I asked what she meant, she said she had lived there the year before with another student who was into the black arts. Yikes. Apparently she would wake up in the night screaming that she was being tortured by spirits. We started to hear a scratching under the wood floor while we were watching TV at night. And we weren't high. We always sent our male housemates to check it, and he wouldn't find anything. The house was raised up about five feet, so it was easy to look under it. Going forward, we all experienced bad feelings, like there was a heaviness in the house. My scientist husband chalked it up to mould. One day when I was coming back from the grocery store, I saw a woman with long dark hair looking at me from the window. My housemate Margaret had long black hair so I just assumed it was her. With an armful of groceries I knocked on the front door struggling to get my keys out and no one came to help me. And I was annoyed with my housemate for just standing there watching. When I finally opened the door, I heard a frantic running through the house. But no one was home. I was alone in the house and every door was locked from the inside. Later, when my boyfriend and I were sitting on my bed talking, the bedside lamp flew off the nightstand and landed on the floor in front of us. At the same time, the overhead pull chain light went off and we were sitting in the dark. I said, now do you believe it? And he replied, coincidence. That summer I sublet the house to my childhood friend and some of her friends and neglected to tell them about any of the strange occurrences we had experienced. She called me a month in, 
and asked if anything weird had happened while I lived there. Apparently every evening at around 6pm, strong perfume wafted through the kitchen. I should mention that when I moved out for the summer for the last time the following year, I felt very ill with a terrible migraine. I felt like the house was trying to keep me. Also, when I lived there my junior year, I had a new housemate, a guy who was an art student. He had an easel up in his bedroom, and as time went on, he began painting scarier and scarier paintings of faces in anguish. I would come home from class, and my other housemate would ask if I had seen his latest painting yet. We would sneak into his room to look and get freaked out by the scary faces looking back at us. So why did I keep living here? The location and rent were great, and housing in Santa Cruz is awful, so there you go. My senior year, I moved into a nice non-haunted house by the beach. What a relief. My second story happened nearly 25 years later. This story involves my youngest daughter Lizzie, who is now nearly 25 and totally fine. It was New Year's Eve in about 2005 and she was 10 or so. We had family friends over for dinner and we were still talking around the table while she and her friend were hanging out in the living room. The living room has a large floor-to-ceiling picture window facing the front garden. Our house is 90 plus years old and the window was original to the house. There is about a three-foot ledge from the bottom of the window to the ground and at the time there was also a rose bush in front of that. We suddenly heard my daughter's friend screaming from the living room. Lizzie, oh my God! We ran in the room to find a cartoon-like cutout in the glass window of my daughter's shape and massive shards of glass everywhere. Lizzie was gone. She had been leaning on the glass and had just fallen through. Somehow, she flew over the rose bush and landed in the garden. She jumped up like a gymnast. I'm fine, and ran back into the house with just two small shards of glass in her back, another in her hand and a muddy t-shirt. Later, when I was cleaning the shirt, I noticed the imprint of two small hands on the back of her shirt. It's not what you think. We felt whoever the hands belonged to had helped her avoid the rosebush. Now here's the really weird part, and I swear this is true. We had some film developed shortly after this incident and a cartoon image of a leprechaun showed up in a photo I took of a sunset from our front porch. Just to be clear, we have never had anything that looked like that in front of our house. It looks like the decorations I remember from the 60s. My family background is primarily Irish and I have travelled there a few times. Appropriately, we took Lizzie to Ireland for her high school graduation present. The leprechaun has become a favourite story among our friends and family. Was it most likely caused by some weird glitch while the photo was being developed? Of course. But my family likes to think that what could have been a tragic event was prevented by our leprechaun friend. I put a little stone statue of a leprechaun outside the window, just to honour him. Very annoyingly, I don't have the picture. I have the return email that I sent where I said, hey, thanks for sending us a picture or a, a story, but I don't have the original one. So Mary, if you're listening, please resend us the picture of the leprechaun and I can post it on our social media if you don't mind. Thank you. The house that Mary lived in as a student sounds very dark. Not somewhere I'd want to live at all. Having some random person knock on your door a couple of days into you staying there saying, has anything happened yet? It would just be like me going... 
okay, I'm done. <laughs> There's the tenancy agreement <laughs> gone out the door. See you later. Not living here anymore. Um, yeah, some really just not good vibes. The lady and then running when there was no one at home. And then the lamp flying across is very clear poltergeist activity. Love their boyfriend slash husband's logical brain. Though. Definitely a coincidence. <laughs> is it really? Is it a coincidence? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably better to believe that, isn't it? Than to just get scared of everything. Definitely better. Like me. Um, Lizzie's experience of uh, going through the window is hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm glad. We can only say that because she wasn't badly hurt. Obviously, if she'd have been badly hurt, it wouldn't have been so hilarious. And it's nice that there was a little thing looking after her, making sure that she missed the rose bush. Are we 100% certain that it wasn't Lizzie's friend that pushed her through the window? <laughs> I have to ask that question. <laughs> but also, was she saved by a leprechaun? And I very much appreciate the little stone statue of a leprechaun that you yeah. have now placed in his honour. Just a little Because nod. he would appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very aware that there are loads of people who hate the way I say appreciate. So... Just I've said it a few more times. I've said it loads of times in this episode, and I'm sorry. I know it'll be making some people cringe. <laughs> also, from what we know of leprechauns, it might be worth putting a few miniatures out every now and then. Yeah, maybe a few little drams. Yeah, they do like a drink, apparently. Yep. So, if you want to know more about leprechauns, there's a great episode of What the Fuck is in This Book, which at the time of recording is in the process of being renamed, so not very helpful. <laughs> it is a good episode though so if you can find it yeah it's it. a really interesting episode about what leprechauns are actually like yeah. rather than the kind of commercialised hallmark version that we see now and if you enjoyed today's episode you can find everything you need to know about us on com. you can send your own spooky story to Podcast at gmail.com you can find us on Patreon where for $5 a month or $2 a month you can get access to heaps of extra content. That's patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Bye.